Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Tony will have a conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the newest, hottest, and best trends from all walks of life. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, fellow entrepreneur, and thanks for joining in with us. Now, perhaps today's interview is a little bit of everything for you as an entrepreneur and a business person. You know, I remember my days back in corporate America, and it only intensified when I went out on my own as an entrepreneur. You want everything and you want it now, right? Well, if you zone into today's interview with me and you check the links, you're going to find a way to get everything for your business. I guarantee that. Get ready because there's more here beneath this title. We're going to discuss liquid leadership with Brad Zales. And the tagline is equally impressive. Check this out. How heroic conversations can change our world. And later on in this episode, we have an insider's brief about, do you ever wonder if there's a good milk substitute for coffee, baking, cooking, and beyond? Treat this like a public service announcement. We're going to discuss milk alternatives later in this episode. And please listen for news from our sponsor, Shopify. What I love about Shopify is, well, no matter how big you want to grow, they give you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. And they have a really cool offer for you. Please listen for more information from Shopify just ahead. And lastly, I'm going to give you a brief chat on mastering LinkedIn to grow your prospects and increase your sales. I'm going to tell you what my secret mentor recently taught me. Stay tuned for that at the second break. Are you ready? Oh, by the way, while you're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. And we're going to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. We'll meet Brad Zalas. He's a serial entrepreneur, former C-level exec, and he's an award-winning author of the book Liquid Leadership, which is one of the top books in the world on the topic. Does that have your attention? Let's get into it. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Tony, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this. The honor is mine, and we're all looking forward to learning about liquid leadership. And before yeah. seeing your book, I've never heard of the title before, never thought about it. And it's like, this is interesting. Well, let's mm-hmm. kind of go back a little bit, Brad. Can you tell us, how did it all start for you? What's your backstory? My backstory started in Lebanon, Pennsylvania in 1979, in around there. <laughs> and I started my first business at 16. And uh, I don't want anybody to be impressed by that because my Hungarian father decided to make it so hard to ask for a $20 bill that it was easier to start a business. <laughs> Think about that for a minute, Tony. Um he would grill me if I asked for a $20 bill. And I said, you know what? I found some buddies of mine and we had a traveling discotheque. So that's how I started. That was my very first business. My second business uh, was after college. I was in New York City and I got my very first couple of jobs at these design firms. And I decided, you know what? I'm not making enough money. The only way to really make good money was to offer my skills to other studios And uh, if you're in a major city, freelance work uh, can make you quite a good living. So that was my second business. I started 
stepping out and I worked in a very niche area of the graphic design industry. And that was, I was doing big corporate meetings for the pharmaceutical industry as well as car companies. So Half the year I was working on, you know, Dolabid, uh, Famara, you know, anything from Novartis and J&J. And then the other half of the year I was working on BMW, Ford, Lincoln Mercury, Mercedes, you name it. And so my designs were winding up on these 60-foot screens in ballrooms and stadiums and things like that. So I started my next business, which was, was with a buddy of mine, and that was to do these meetings. And that business failed. And I was very frustrated and upset. And right around 1992, right after I got rid of that business partner, a buddy of mine from college, we had hung out many times and he said, hey, I want you to meet a client of mine. And so I met him at this restaurant in Manhattan, had a wonderful dinner. And as we're getting in the car, I lived near him. So he drove me home. And on the way home, he says to me, hey, I want to start a business with you. And so I'm like, uh, okay, I just got out of a business partnership and anybody who's listening, you know, you're an entrepreneur, how many bad business partnerships have you had and gotten out of, you know? So when Doug, Doug Cleek is his name, uh, he said to me, he goes, look, I really admire what you do. And I thought to myself, I said, look, Doug, I've just been burnt in a bad situation. And um, I really, really, you, you would have to give me a list of three or four reasons why you'd want to, you know, go into business with me. And so I think it was a week later, we get together and he had like 25 reasons. And I was like, you had me at number three. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those moments. Um, And uh, Doug got permission, you know, back in the day when you got permission from your fiance, uh, Linda, uh, to launch this business. And, um, so February of, uh, you know, 1993, we went down to the courthouse in Manhattan and this was the, the astounding part. We named it K2 design. Uh, we were avid hikers. Doug was a big skier and we were, we were writing down names and we were getting very pretentious. And I want everybody to go back in time a little bit because this was the era of the yuppies. So we were, we were coming up with all kinds of names like Bradley Douglas, and they were just ridiculous names. And then uh, he's about to leave my apartment, and I got my skis in the corner, and I got a picture of us on this mountain. And I said, hey, maybe we want to call a K2. Tony, we literally got chills up the back of our spine and looked at each other and go, that's it, K2 design. And uh, there we were, February of 93, we registered and uh, we we started K2 as a partnership. And uh, that isn't the, the, the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is that first year, because we had been in the design industry for 10 years, we attracted big clients right away, like American Express and Bongo Papalar, which at that time became the largest bank uh, in the Western Hemisphere. So we were working, but it wasn't enough to pay salaries. And we're in this 9 by 12 office that we rented. Uh, by the way, for $750 a month, <laughs> you're going to go, what? <laughs> it was a one room. And we, yeah, we renovated it. This is in New York City on third, uh, on uh, 11th Street, sorry. And um, it's the old St. Dennis uh, Hotel, which they just tore down. So we're struggling for about a year, and Doug comes running into the office, and he says, we have to become an internet company. You know, and he's he's so passionate. And, uh, you know, I thought I was savvy up until that point because I looked at him and I said, 
what the hell is the internet? <laughs> and if you remember, in 1994, very few people knew what the internet was. It was either, you know, this gray on gray background with a couple of GIFs or it was email marketing or whatever. Nobody really looked at it as a viable platform for business yet. And all we did is we got a postcard and we got a, a list. We made a postcard and we got a mailing list and we sent it out to 5,000, you know, businesses, organizations, and, you know, decision makers. Well, Tony, if you know anything about direct marketing, 4% return is a really good return. We got an 11% return. Astounding. Yeah. And we even had somebody come up from upstairs in our building and knock on the door. Here they had a server farm, and we didn't even know what a server farm was at that point. And they were hosting Sierra Magazine online. And they said, hey, could you do the graphical user interface? And we said, yes. And that started our journey. Then across the hall, we had a young lady who would, uh, when you could smoke back in the day, she would come into the hall, she'd smoke, and she'd stick her head into the door, and she'd go... You know, I love I love what you guys are doing. She's waving. <laughs> I know. Smoke. I know that from, you know from that. those days. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So she uh, she looks in and looks at what we're doing on the screen, and she goes, "You got to meet my fiance, David Setner." And uh, they got married, and then David shows up on a Saturday, and I'm doing the books, you know, because I was the only uh, I was I was the responsible one. <laughs> Doug was sort of a cowboy, you know. We're both from farming communities, so we're like, yeah, we're gonna get this done. <laughs> and um, we we sat there and uh, we learned to do the internet. But David looked at us and he goes, "Hey guys, I could sell this." And I said, "Well, Dave, if you could sell a million dollars, you know, I'm doing Doctor Evil." Right now, <laughs> you can sell a million dollars. Work with me, people. Um, I will not only make you a business partner, I will make you our CEO. Over the next nine months, we grew exponentially. And I watched David break every sales rule I've ever been taught. I mean, he would call CEOs at their home. <laughs> he would call people after seven. He would, you know, meet them at their favorite hangout. I mean, I was like, Wow, the tenacity. But uh, one day our accountant comes in nine months later and he goes, he's got this, you know, grin on his face. And I go, what? He goes, you guys have just done $1.4 million. And, uh, yeah. Yes, and that was the, beginning. Guess who the new CEO is. <laughs> yeah, David. I was like, whoa. And so uh, to make a long story a little shorter, uh, we grew uh, from that moment on. Uh, here, um, here was a very big piece of kismet out there. Uh, I got this very strange feeling when I made David CEO, and we had another partner come on board, and I decided to get our por portrait uh, headshots taken together so that we could attract investors. Because we had done all of this by bootstrap before that. We had no money, okay? Everything was money in, money out. So I had these photos taken. I had a good friend of mine come up, Gavin Ashworth, and he took a photo in our office with me sitting down and David and Doug, you know, around me. And then we had this big computer. Remember those big VGA monitors? <laughs> they were like a foot and a half thick. And uh, we just sat there, took the picture. And I think it was uh, two weeks later, Advertising Age was doing an expose on web development companies in the United States. Well, I sent pictures of our work, but I sent a four by five Chrome 
remember four by five chromes <laughs> Kodak. I sent that to advertising age and guess what? We made the middle of advertising age in March of 1995 and they could only find 10 companies in the country that were building websites for big companies. We're talking about liquid leadership with Brad Zalas, and you can find him at awakednationpodcast.com. We haven't gone into his podcast yet. Just wait till you hear about it. That's awakened. That's with the ED nationpodcast.com. And we'll, we'll hit that up in just a moment. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Liquid Leadership with Brad Zalas. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Are you selling a little? Or are you selling a lot? You know, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. It's a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. So that means if you're selling scented soap or outdoor outfits, whatever it is, they help you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, they got you covered. And they'll help you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. That means you can sell more with less effort. What I love about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, they give you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. And by the way, they power 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. They're the global force behind companies such as Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. So let's do this. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Tony, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Tony. Now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash Tony, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash T-O-N-Y. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're on the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Liquid Leadership with Brad Zalas. And just a quick thank you that I sincerely appreciate you listening to my weekly shows with today's elite entrepreneurs, today's business champions. And if you like the show, would you please go to Apple Podcasts and give a cool review? Look up the Tony D'Urso Show and drop a kind one. Thanks so much for listening. And now, back to the chat with Brad. And so then what happened, Brad? Well, Advertising Age published this, and there were only 10 companies across the United States that were doing this. And they were big names. They were like RG, um, RG Greenberg. I think it was RGB Greenberg. And then there was OnRamp. There was a couple of other uh, companies. But from that moment on, uh, we grew 425% for five straight years. And here was the kicker. 
um, we started getting six, 60 employees. We just started hiring like crazy. And we went public on NASDAQ 18 months later, and we raised $7 million. And uh, Wall Street Journal called us uh, the, one of the top 10 stocks to watch, and we were evaluated at $26 million. Absolutely amazing. What a story. And I know that we could fill the whole the whole episode with that because it's quite something. Yeah. And again, uh, on your site, people can find out more about that and what you've done to do some 400 odd percent year after year after year in growth is yeah. phenomenal. And therein lies, I guess, the foundation for your book, Liquid Leadership. Yes. Now, we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners, business people here. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I've never heard of this title. So what is liquid leadership all about? Well, this is the funny part. When, you know, when we, it was just me and Doug, we had nobody to manage. But when we started to expand, I had a lot of management theories that I had figured out for myself and liked the way they work and wanted to test them. So this was my big chance. And so as we're growing exponentially, I have these principles and I'm testing them. And what started to take place is I started to learn that I had to adapt to a completely different workforce. Now, a lot of people may not know this, but in the design and advertising and marketing industry, we've been managing people with a row system, results-only work environment, you know, for over 100 years. Deadline driven, talent driven, uh, and and you know you you have to achieve your goals. You have to show up and do your job, otherwise you're fired. And so what we started to do is, how do you get people from MIT who are very very left brain working with designers and illustrators from Pratt, uh, you know, who have purple hair and and maybe some piercings and tattoos. Remember, this is the 90s. And so how do you get them to work together? And so I started to come up with this concept called liquid leadership, which was adapting to what was taking place outside externally, but also creating a management style that allows the best ideas, the best creative to flow freely through the organization to create a great product or great service. And that's a very simplistic way to explain it. But I came up with basically like seven principles that I felt this is the only way you can get the most out of people. Because I grew up, you know, I'm a baby boomer and I grew up with that command control attitude. We hire and we fire until we get the workforce that we want and we've molded them into shape. Right, Tony? That's how it was. Now, let me ask you this. What is a liquid leader? A liquid leader is somebody who adapts and listens and has strength and control, but at the same time, they're willing to do something like reverse mentorship, face the truth, uh, create a creative environment, because we are in a day and age now where software can replace your business. Uh, you know, the barrier to entry is incredibly low. Now, imagine if you're just standing there with that same old command and control attitude listening to your bosses from when you were a kid who regaled you with stories of World War II, uh, you know, in the Great Depression. We can't survive that way because you have this younger workforce, you know, Gen X, uh, Millennials, and Gen Z, they all were trained completely differently. 
So while you're busy thinking you're hot stuff with your business, and here's a good example. I always say this to people that a liquid leader will catch, would have caught this immediately. And that is this. You remember when you used to have those big giant watch stores in New York City, like Tourneau? Well, they've had to shrink because the next generation doesn't wear a watch. So catching on to business trends and the collapse of you know, traditional business is what you need to pay attention to. And that's the crux and the part and, and the strength that I, I call upon and I call it a liquid leader. I got it. One who basically it's an entrepreneur because he rolls with the punches. He's resilient. Yeah. He, he adapts. He, he, he deals with changes very quickly. You have to, which, which that statement that we've just been made, we've just made sounds like a, a total cross, a total juxtaposition with, I think one of your first chapters that caught my eye, I think it's chapter one or chapter two, mm-hmm. it's place your people first. Yes. Uh, Harley Davidson did this. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but Harley Davidson got bought out by, you know, a conglomeration of people that were led by the grandson of the Davidson family. And AMF owned Harley Davidson and it drove it into the ground. They were, they were considered horrible motorcycles at that point. And they stopped production. They stopped everything. And they said, we have to retool this company. And the way they did that is that, you know, if you're an executive or you're at the top of that food chain and you're pushing your company to do well, sometimes you have to stop. And uh, Seth Godin calls this the dip. You have to stop and make a true analysis of what is going wrong. And what Harley Davidson did was they found out that their bikes were just going off the assembly line, coming apart. Parts didn't fit. Bolts weren't fitting. Welds were horrible. Well, they decided to get the frontline employees had a, a, a stop break on the assembly line where they could stop the whole assembly line if a product was faulty a weld wasn't right, or a part was just not fitting properly. That's the first thing they did. They gave the power to the frontline employees to have ownership over the product they created. The second thing they did is they stopped having warehouses of inventory. Because we're moving at such a fast pace, you can buy inventory now, and every time you sell that piece that you bought 10 years ago, you will lose money. The more you sell, the more money you're losing because you bought it at such a high price and now the price is incredibly low. And so you're losing money. So they adapted, you know, an Edward Deming uh, technique, which is just in time uh, ordering. Uh, And so you don't store things in a warehouse and heat them and air conditioning and all that. You order things just in time, J-I-T. And so what happens is, that can be a little scary for, you know, somebody who's used to having a lot of inventory sitting around and going, yeah, this is my business. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can see it. But now you have to shift everything to everything arriving on time. And that can scare a lot of business people. But what's the goal of every entrepreneur here? The goal is, is to reach a point where you can step outside of the business and start working on the business instead of in the business. And you hopefully, I hope, the people who are listening, you want to grow out of being a one-person band into a real company that's going to sell products either across this nation or around the world. And that starts with trusting your people, giving them power and strength, 
to make those frontline decisions, training them well. Hello. You have to train them really, really well in this day, day and age. Think Zappos, okay? And then the fourth thing is you have to create systems so you can step out of your own way. And so this is an incredibly powerful... I mean, I wrote this book based on actual experience. I'm, I don't know if you know this. I'm just going to put this out, Tony. 95% of business gurus, business authors, professors at college even, have never owned a business. And I'm being conservative astounding. when I say 95 it is astounding. And there was this one business book from Harvard that I read. And thank goodness, the professor who wrote it in the first 10 pages, he says, look, I've never owned a business. So I interviewed 500 business owners. And I thought, okay, so I'll take this book with a grain of salt. <laughs> uh, my book is actually written, Liquid Leadership, all my principles, everything I talk about, every interview I've done on television or in Forbes or Inc. is all based on the principles I learned on the front line of taking a startup from that nascent stage, you know, a, a, an idea on a, in a coffee shop, on a napkin, up to taking it public, from entrepreneurial startup to IPO. You so lived I don't pull punches. <laughs> That's great. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Liquid Leadership with Brad Zalas. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, here's some quick info I learned on Mastering LinkedIn to help grow your prospects and increase your sales. I actually have a series of videos on LinkedIn and other basics, which you can find on my Patreon. I'm teaching everything I know, bit by bit, on how to grow your social media, how to monetize your podcast, how to go from zero to 100 super fast, and all sorts of good info. Now, in the last episode with Nick Sonnenberg, I talked about the LinkedIn headline title and how I never used all the character spaces available to add to the description of what I do. It's real estate space just sitting there, and I never realized it until I saw one of my secret mentors utilize it. Now that refers to the description of what you do. Consider it like a short bio on LinkedIn. It's called the headline title. In addition to that, there are five literal keywords that LinkedIn allocates for you. Again, when I saw my secret mentor use this, I looked at what LinkedIn had allocated for me, and I was assigned five keywords that really didn't fit what I do. I looked and I found where to change that, so here's the deal. And my video explains this very well and shows you the section and how to change it. If you're listening to the podcast, you can find this on my Patreon as 03 LinkedIn. So here it goes. First, you're going to navigate to your LinkedIn profile. At the very top, you'll see the headline title description. Again, that's like a very short bio for you. And right below that, a little bit grayed out, it says talks about. These are five keywords that have been assigned to you, or perhaps you filled that out when you first joined LinkedIn, like me. And it's been sitting there for years, and I never noticed it. These are your keywords. If you want someone to find you and connect with you on LinkedIn, this is super important. So take a look. It's the, quote, talks about, end quote, section, just under your headline. Are those your best keywords? If not, stay on the profile page and scroll down to the section titled, resources. At the top of that section, there's a subsection called creator mode. Make sure that's clicked on the on position and then click it. Now on that new page, the top section says profile topics. 
Those are your assigned keywords. To change any or all, just click each keyword and remove the highlight. Then, use the button that shows up below that's called Add Topics. Put in your new keyword and highlight that. When you're all done, click Save. Then, go back to your profile page and you'll see the new keywords there underneath your title. And I want to thank again my secret mentor for showing that to me. I hope this all makes sense. To see the video details as well as other videos, just go to patreon.com slash Tony D-U-R-S-O. You can join for free and poke around. I'm making weekly videos on key topics. If there's something you want to learn, just ask. And you can also stay tuned to my social media and you'll see announcements of new videos as they're released. Okay, jump in and work on this now, and I'll see you on Patreon. You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're on The Tony D'Erso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Liquid Leadership with Brad Zales. And would you please check out my Elite Entrepreneurs on Apple Podcasts? There's a lot of great insights about anything that you can think of to help grow your business and learn from the success of others who've been through their hard knocks and they came out as champions. Go to Apple Podcasts and type in Tony, D-U-R-S-O, and play what appeals to you. And now I have an important insider's brief for you, so let's go to that next and then I'll circle back to Brad. Do you ever wonder if there's a good milk substitute for coffee, baking, cooking, and beyond? I want you to treat this like a public service announcement. We're going to talk about some other alternatives such as almond, cashew, rice, and so forth. Now, shoppers who wanted to help support the growing movement encourage mother cows to keep their newborn, which opens up supermarkets to stock their shelves with a number of other milk choices. With us is Marissa Price, the social media manager for PETA, P-E-T-A, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Hi, Marissa. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. And uh, we're all in favor of ethical treatment of animals. It's It's a big thing. It's a growing concern. I think I've spoken with you earlier in the year as well on some other aspect. And this is very interesting. And I think the first thing that somebody would probably think of is, well, why should someone choose, let's call it vegan milk over dairy milk? How does that, how does that even happen? Yeah. So there are so many great reasons to choose vegan milk instead of dairy milk. Actually so many that there really are no reasons to choose dairy milk at all anymore. Um, So first off, you know, like all animals raised and killed for food, cows used by the dairy industry suffer constant abuses throughout their life. But there's one abuse in particular that we don't really hear about very often, and that's the forced separation of newborn babies from their mothers, which is just as traumatic for the cow and her calf as it would be for a human mother. See, mother cows have been known to search fields for miles, hoping to be reunited with their calves. They've also been known to chase after transport vehicles that are taking their babies away and to even hide their babies away from farmers to avoid that impending separation that is standard practice on dairy farms. Yeah, it's kind of sad when you look at it from that point of view. It's very sad. 
And with meat, vegan milk, um, I guess let's try this. First of all, what are some of the benefits of it, aside from, the, of course, that the mother and the child uh, are still together? How about health benefits? Yeah, there are plenty of health benefits. So yeah, obviously what I you know was just mentioning is very upsetting. Um, and you know, there's no reason to support that though. So that's the good news. And there's tons of health benefits and environmental benefits from choosing vegan milk. A variety of vegan milks provide essential nutrients like calcium, B12, vitamin D, protein, and fiber, all without the cholesterol that's found in cow's milk. And with heart disease being a leading cause of death in America, uh, it's really important to watch your cholesterol. Uh, there is no cholesterol in plant-based foods, so that's pretty amazing. Um, additionally, drinking milk has been linked to cancer, diabetes, obesity, and even osteoporosis. So you can avoid all of these health risks that come with consuming dairy by choosing one of the vegan milk options, which, you're, like I said, you're also helping to save animals and protect the environment. I got you. And at the very beginning, I mentioned a couple of uh, choices or options. There's almond, cashew, rice. What are some of the different kinds of vegan milks? Yeah, there are so many. You mentioned several great ones. Uh, we've also got soy milk, oat milk, coconut milk, pea milk, um, hemp milk, hazelnut and macadamia nut milk, which both of those are just super, uh, super luxurious treats um, and flax milk. Plus there are so many additional specialty vegan uh, drinks that are typically, that are usually dairy-based, but now you can find them uh, vegan. Like there are so many different flavored creamers, especially fun seasonal ones that come out for the holidays. Um, I can find all of these at my local supermarket or Target or Walmart. Um, like I have like a vegan maple cream creamer in my fridge right now that's really good in my morning coffee. Uh, and there's even vegan eggnog available, which is really delicious and perfect for this time of year. Some of those sound really good. I, I love the nuts, the cashew, the almond milk. So tasty. And I'm thinking with this, and, 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 and I'm following along, and I'm thinking all the people that bake. In fact, right now as we're speaking, my wife's in the kitchen making some zucchini bread. And I'm thinking, how can you use vegan milk in these recipes as well as other drinks, let's say, like smoothies? Yeah. So it's so easy to swap vegan milk in for anything that you're making in the kitchen and use it the same exact way that you would dairy milk. So any recipe, um, say if it calls for, you know, for the zucchini bread, if it calls for a cup of, uh, of milk, of dairy milk, it, you can just substitute in a cup of almond milk. Um, so you can use it, you know, in baking and coffee and smoothies and cereal, uh, even um, like savory cooking, you know, for the holidays, you could try using vegan milk in some of your recipes that you might be putting together for the holidays, like a classic mashed potatoes. I know I'm going to be making that. I made it for Thanksgiving. I'm definitely going to be making it again for Christmas. And I substitute in oat milk. It's creamy and delicious and far healthier and animal friendly. I really like where this is going because uh, it, it just re removes that impact. And it actually, I think it opens up commerce as well. Because now there's more variety. So there's us entrepreneurs. This is an entrepreneurial show. We, 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 we like opportunity. And I think this opens up quite a few options. But one thing I think is not every supermarket or the local place where we go to the grocery market 
they don't carry everything. So where where do you where do you where can you find all of all the mil- vegan milks in the various varieties? Yeah, you know, probably some of the most uh, popular ones that are available the most uh, readily is soy milk, almond milk, and oat milk. Uh, oat milk has gotten especially popular in the last couple of years, and for great reason. Um, and so some of the other ones I mentioned, you know, like cashew milk or macadamia nut milk, those could um, be, you know, a little less prevalent, but I still see it at my grocery store that I go to. Um, so you can really shop around. Um, I, uh, I know at Walmart and Target, they do have a really great selection as well. And uh, particularly in coffee creamers, especially for Target, <laughs> they have like 10 different types of flavored coffee creamers that like change out seasonally. You know, interesting that you mentioned coffee because there are coffee shops where I'm at, they've had uh, soy milk and almond and there's no extra charge. They, they're starting to offer a variety. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as a growing trend with coffee shops? Absolutely. You know, dairy consumption really has been declining for years and we've seen such a surge in demand for plant-based milks. And vegan foods in general, really, as people become aware of animal agriculture's devastating impact on the environment and human health um, and, you know, the uh, intense and totally unnecessary violence and cruelty of the dairy industry that we were chatting about earlier. So because of that, you know, like you're saying, it's opening up new opportunity. There are so many vegan milks out there. You know, I, I listed all the different kinds that you can find. And for each kind, there's probably like five or 10 or even more brands of each type of almond milk and soy milk and oat milk. Um, And then even within that, some are flavored with vanilla extract and some are unflavored and some are sweetened and some are unsweetened. So really lots of different options. And um, similarly, we're seeing that at coffee stores. Many coffee chains do offer dairy-free milk without any extra charge. So some that some of those include Caribou Coffee or Stumptown Coffee Roasters, Bill's Coffee, Panera Bread, and Pret-a-Manger. Um, Starbucks right now in the U.S., unfortunately, does still have a vegan upcharge, sometimes up to 90 cents per cup, which is really wild for a, a little splash of oat milk. Um, so we really hope that Starbucks and any other coffee company that is uh, doing this will stop that ch- upcharge immediately because it's really penalizing people for trying to make a healthier, more compassionate, more sustainable choice. I think with uh, the growing interest and we can make this more of a movement to do, to do that because you're right, it's just a splash. It's, does it really cost that much more? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Marissa is very fascinating. Is there a place that our listeners can go to find out more information about this and perhaps get more involved? Yeah, absolutely. So to find out more info about the cruel dairy industry or some vegan milks uh, options or tons of free, delicious, easy vegan recipes are all available on our website at PETA.org. Wonderful. By the way, Marissa Price, she manages the social media, which I mentioned, and also the internship program for PETA 2, which is the Youth Division of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I totally support what you're doing, and I think it's great, and I look forward to having you back on our show. Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you so much, Tony. It was so great to be back. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others 
to help you on your journey to success. Just ahead, the chat continues. Liquid Leadership with Brad Zalas. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, you're on The Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your journey to success. Today's show is Liquid Leadership with Brad Zalas. Say, if you like this show so far, would you please remember our sponsor who made it possible? Shopify makes it easy for you to sell your products and services, and it's why 10% of e-commerce users in the U.S. love Shopify too. You'll make a note to do that right after listening to this interview, won't you? Thanks so much, and now back to the chat with Brad. Now, there's, there is something uh, early on in your book, and just a uh, I think my audience knows I've been in corporate world, I think like 32 years. And this, this question I'm going to ask you is like, what? It's a jaw dropper because it didn't exist then. And I don't know what the corporate world is like today, you know, having a job in there. Cause you know, I don't, I just don't know. But back then this is unheard of. And that question is create a safe environment to tell the truth. Yep. <laughs> Now I'm going to tell a story and it's going to be a little, um, it's not dirty. It's just, it's a little blue. And that is a good friend of mine who I spoke with quite a bit when I was writing this book, um, Tim Davis, he's a good friend of mine and he was a corporate coach and he was called into this company to, you know, assess things and get them back on track. So he gets up in front of all the salespeople and employees and he's going on and on and on. And then he turns around and Tim used to be a stand-up comedian and he, he rose very high. Like he was about to be on the Johnny Carson show, but then he transitioned into corporate coaching. So he's on stage, you know, working his magic and he stirs around and he goes, and your website, you know, your website is horrible. You need to, and everybody got dead silent. Like he was getting big laughs before that, but then the room went silent and he found out later they let him go. Here, the CEO's mistress built the website. Uh So no one could talk about this website. (laughs) Okay. It was, there was the elephant in the room and nobody could do anything about it. And I propose that we have to deal with these issues and work with them and change them into something smooth. Because I'm going to tell you, I have friends at the very top of some of the IT companies. And for years, they had to actually develop workarounds for a particular software simply because the CEO got the software for a very cheap price because he played golf with the, the guy who created the software. Well, is the software and his relationship serving the bigger picture? So when I wrote this chapter, it was really about those basic ideas. Can we tell the truth? Can we sit here and say, hey, there's a disconnect between people management, executive suite, and the people on the front lines, and how can we fix it? And I've consulted with quite a few people. I do the um, Cracking the Generational Code workshop is what I do, but I had one company 
that does investing using technology. And they handle $12 trillion in assets globally with a 350-person workforce globally because they use technology. And the the C-level executives are going, this is the greatest place on earth to work. And they were providing free lunch and they were doing all this. And when they finally had a meeting of the minds, the employees told them off. <laughs> and they said, it isn't at all like what you're describing. You're telling us what it's like here. We're telling you it's the opposite. And so they spent five years really tooling the company, working hard, getting it so that everybody's aligned. And so the first three principles of my book, you know, are truth-telling environment, place your people first. That's number one, truth-telling environment, and then an environment that allows you to be creative. Because the only way you're going to find solutions is not because you have a giant brain and you're smart and you went to Harvard. The way you're going to find solutions is you sit down with the person on the front line. It's like uh, David Ogilvy. He, he, diamonds are a girl's best friend. He didn't create that. His secretary did. And I'm sorry if I use the word secretary. If anybody's offended, please forgive me. But his administrative assistant. <laughs> yeah, you don't say that day. word anymore today. I know. The words have changed. <laughs> exactly. So here's another side to this. You're adapting to a modern society. So, yeah, you got to listen to the people. I mean, here's, here's something I suggest, Tony. I tell people, do reverse mentorship. Find that weirdo, the person with the purple hair that's in your organization or the person who is super quiet. Take them out to lunch. Find out what makes them tick. You might be surprised they have a very good grasp of business. Very, very interesting stories. I want to talk more about the book, but I also want to bring in your podcast, which actually... Sure. Sounds like it has a similar purpose to mine. You bring on very interesting, very unique guests, yet your podcast is quite different. And since I mentioned it at the beginning of this uh, interview, can you tell us what do you focus on your show? The premise of Awakened Nation, which is the name of the podcast, is I look for guests who have been knocked down either mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically And they had to do something, whether it's mindset or whatever, to stand back up and sort of wake up and live life differently. And that's the premise of the show. So I've had business leaders on the show. I've had shamans on the show. I've had healers and, you know, people have done ayahuasca. You know, I've seen CEOs at these events, you know, so don't judge it. But um, I decided to have those great conversations that I used to have as a kid, as a Boy Scout around the campfire where we talked about everything. We talked about politics. We talked about war. You know, my, my, some of my scoutmasters had served in Vietnam and they would tell us these stories. We'd have ghost stories and we'd have these wonderful, you know, conversations from the Loch Ness monster to Bigfoot, the UFOs, and then girls and life lessons and all these things. And no one was judging the conversation. Everybody was just enjoying listening and that's the premise of my show. And I've, I've pinched myself at some of the guests I've had on the show. Now, as an entrepreneur and a business person, Brad, can I learn from this? I mean, you've, you've mentioned a couple of very interesting uh, guests and topics so far, but is this the kind of show that us entrepreneurs would tune in on a regular basis? I always have entrepreneurs on my show as well as other people who are very iconic in the world. So uh, here's a good example. I had Dog the Bounty Hunter on uh, two months ago. 
And so we have had about 1,200 people uh, watch it on YouTube and listen to it on Spotify and Apple. And I, I swear, I only asked four questions, and it was an hour and a half interview. And you could hear this man's devotion and his humility, and he was crushed by life, you know. And then uh, I've had Dave Sanderson on, and I don't know if you know who Dave Sanderson is. I've but interviewed he, him. Yeah, Dave is a good friend of mine. He flew in once to uh, watch me speak. I was really humbled by that. I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, I came to watch you. I was like, dude. So we've talked off and on for years, uh, but he was on U.S. Airways Flight 1549, you know, the miracle on the Hudson. I had him on, and he used to do security for Tony Robbins. So I, I literally was sitting there just having a great conversation with him. I've had Ivan Meisner on the show, who started BNI. Um, he was just, you know, a great. You learn great lessons from these people, and even people who are living their passion. Because remember, as an entrepreneur, you're living your passion. So some of these guests, you might, you might you know, roll your eyes at some of the topics that we're going through. But at the same time, you can learn something because an entrepreneur is creating something out of nothing. And I always try, you know, the tagline on my show is a deep dive into the extraordinary. And so um, Brian Smith, who created Uggs, you know, a billion dollar brand, um, that episode is a masterclass in sales. And it's really because Brian got kicked out of his own company and had to fight his way back in. And I knew the story because I'd interviewed him before uh, I did my own podcast. And so I pushed and massaged that episode to bring out the very best. Um, you know, I've had Tony Watley on, uh, who uh, was the side hustle millionaire. You know, he was making uh, 120 grand as an engineer for a Texas oil company. And he decided to start a side business, you know, selling auto parts, high end auto parts from a website and he was making a million dollars a year on that website and he wouldn't quit his day job. You know, that kind of person I've had Bruce buffer on the ring announcer uh, for the octagon. And he talks about starting a business with his brother where they control that brand, get ready to rumble, which is his brother's moniker from, you know, boxing. And uh, they do about 500 million a year. So, you know, every, you might not think that the guest would apply to entrepreneurship, but I always try to bring it back to, so why does this matter? <laughs> you know, why am I interviewing you? And it usually is a deep dive into the extraordinary, you know. Um, I do. I pinch myself every day that I'm, I'm getting some great guests on the show, very high caliber guests. Great names. I'd love to interview some of them as well. Sure. Let me know. I had Stephen M. R. Covey on. Uh, his father wrote the seven habits of highly effective people and he was doing trust and inspire and what an amazing conversation that I had with him. Uh, and then he introduced me to his sister who helped write and publish, um, Stephen R. Covey's last book, which was live life in crescendo. And so the, those two guests back to back were just humbling to listen to their stories, uh, of growth and, uh, about their father and their mother and how great those people were. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, the next episode after this is with uh, Cynthia. She's going to talk about the helping uh, Stephen with the book and, and so oh, forth. And you're going to love it because she, she is a mom <laughs> all the way through. She is a mom. So you can hear her taking her, her love and her joy into what she's writing and how that got passed down from her dad. So 
Yeah. What a great interview. I love that one. Oh, and I just had on um, Joe Vitale, who was in The Secret, uh, who's manifested quite an empire. So like I said, it might not seem like it's an entrepreneur's show, but it is. Because like one out of every five interviews I have is a pure entrepreneur. Well, there you go. That's It's definitely something to listen to. And again, if you go to awakenednationpodcast.com and you find all about it, it's everywhere. And check it out. I think you're going to love it. I, I love you. the guests that you have. I am totally sold. Some of the guests, I mean, I'm, I want to bring them on my show too. As sure, well. let me know. I, we always do guest swap. This is an insider's secret, folks, if you're a podcaster. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a lot of friends. I have one friend of mine, uh, Randall Kenneth Jones. Uh, I reached out to Randy. We've become good friends. We actually were keynote speakers at an event. So we got to know each other over a couple of days. And uh, Randy has big celebrities on his show. And he'll call me up sometimes. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I asked this question. I, I just, I had to a- ask it. And she answered. And I was like, wow, he's got guts. No guts, no glory, as we say. But then I send him some guests. You know, I'm good friends um, with Eartha Kitt's uh, daughter. And so I've been to her house. We've broken bread. We talk a lot. So I reach out to her. And I had her on my show. And I said, hey, Randy, do you want uh, Eartha Kitt's daughter? And Kit Shapiro. And she goes, he goes, heck yeah. <laughs> you know, we always, we help each other. So that's how it goes in this business. And you and I had the uh, mutual acquaintance on, on both our shows, Max James. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we're doing a branded co-host uh, YouTube only episode. So I'm going to put it up on Rubble. It's called the Bouncing Back Podcast. The first episode is getting worked out. It's just really good because his book is one of these you know, I, I read a lot of books. I can't read all the books that come my way, but the old world, there you go. There you go. The old world <laughs> stories of how people lived their lives back then. Oh, yeah. And you just don't find that in books anymore. Just real no. down-to-earth morals, and and I just yep. absolutely love it. So we're going to be talking about some of the key principles, and you'll find that on YouTube only, not even on audio. Bouncing back podcast probably several episodes are are out there by the time this airs and yeah just a great great story i love those types of stories oh so do i and max he's he's a really great storyteller uh he grew up as a sharecropper in what was it tennessee and uh he just tells the from the beginning how he learned how tough his dad was and things like that so i've been very honored to know max and work with him over the past three years well, thank you very much, Brad. We've covered a drop, two, three drops. I mean, there's so much more. We'll probably have to have you back on because I would love you've that. got a wealth of knowledge on how the on the intricacies and the workings of of corporate America then and even yeah. now. So definitely would love to love yeah. love to pick your brain again. Thank you, Tony. I, I really uh I would love to be back on. Uh we we're finishing up. I finished the tenth anniversary edition of liquid leadership which is in paperback now finally made the the leap from hardback to paperback and i am diligently working on the audio edition which is not fun but um i've done a lot of voiceover so i'm getting through my own book <laughs> that's a lot and i always say you've heard me say it many times when an author does the audio version of his own book you have to get it because there's inflections and just 
the way the author tells it. For example, if you got Beach Money by Jordan Adler, if you got that book, and you listen to the audio version, which is what I did, it's it's to me, it's it's just a different thing. It's like yeah. I love the audio version when the author himself reads it. It's it's a, it's a whole new thing. I agree with you on that, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. But yeah, you're right. When the author actually reads the book, I, I lean in more. You know, I want to listen to them, their inflection. It's great. Well, Brad, thank you. Brad Zales, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, talking about liquid leadership. I got your name right. And again, (laughs) Awakened, ED, AwakenedNationPodcast.com. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. Have a great one. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We spoke about liquid leadership with Brad Zales. We talked about, well, first of all, what is liquid leadership? And we really went into that. And what is a liquid leader? And some of the topics that Brad brings about in his book, Liquid Leadership, really caught my attention, such as placing your people first. It wasn't like that way back when in corporate America, folks. It just wasn't. Another one is create a safe environment to tell the truth. Back then, We gave information in a certain way for the big boss or the CEO that it could be handled or accepted. You just couldn't say something the way it really was. It just wasn't like that. I know, go figure. It's just such a different world today. And we spoke about his podcast, Awakened Nation, which sounds like it has a similar purpose to mine, yet it's really different. We talked about what he focuses on his show I love the big name guests that he's had and has on all the time. And we spoke about what you as an entrepreneur can get from listening. And we talked about so many things. Let me ask you this. What hit home with you? Please let me know. And would you do me a favor? Share this with a few friends to help them too. It's friends helping friends that helps make everything get along and work a little bit better. Use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks and remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go enjoy the weekend.